live from the hottest real estate market in America, Tampa Bay, Florida. This is the Real Estate Leads Podcast with the CEO and founder of the Olga System, your host, Lisa Carter. Greetings and salutations. I'm Lisa Carter, the host of the Real Estate Leads Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you generate leads today. Our lead generating tip for the day is around probate sales. Our guest, Bobby Goodrich from the Live Free or Die State, New Hampshire, is joining us. I met you last week uh, or earlier this week um, at a, I popped into Rochester, New Hampshire, and you were in the office with a bunch of other agents and um, you immediately told me you're retiring. So we're going to talk about that later. But um, how long have you been a real estate agent? Because you look too young to be retiring, ma'am. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> uh, how long have I been in? It was 35 years this January. 35 years. Did you start in the state of New Hampshire or elsewhere? Yes. No, here. You're not You're not a, a Massachusetts transplant into New Hampshire? No, I'm not. No, I was born and raised in Pennsylvania, but I've been in New Hampshire for, oh, 40-some oh, years, 45 years at least. Oh, wow. So you've so all, I've also... always sold in New Hampshire and also in Maine because we're a border your border, border community. Border community. So you were smart enough to say, "Look, I'm close enough to to do to 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 go over the border." Um, and so, curiosity, uh, New Hampshire, Maine, is there reciprocity between those two states, or did you have to do the damn no. thing over again? No. Well, we had to learn Maine law. If you were licensed in in New Hampshire, or probably any other state. In order to get licensed in Maine, you had to uh, take the Maine law part of the course, and there there were a few attorneys that taught that, and then you had to take a test, and then you were licensed. So it wasn't it wasn't that difficult. I don't know; it could have changed, but I gave up my Maine license last year because I knew I was going to be retiring. Now, Bobby, I think, I, I've I been think, to Maine, and there are no laws in Maine. I can I, I can tell you that right now. <laughs> lots of cows and lots of trees, but laws, I don't right. know. Anyway, well, just joking. Their real estate commission is, is uh, more on the ball than New Hampshire's, I'll have to say. <laughs> oh, live free or die. So There's no laws that. there either. So you pick two states yeah. that you can just ramble free and sell houses and, right. and trailers <laughs> and mobile homes. Yeah. Fantastic. That's wonderful. Well, I'm glad that you can uh, carve out some time in your busy schedule um, to, 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 to be on with us today to talk about um, a conversation that actually started a couple uh, earlier this week, which was probate. I've been talking about probate to agents for the last few months because I stumbled on the unique concept that no matter what um, is going on in this crazy market, the feds with interest rates and all of that crazy stuff that we can't control. Um, the one thing that we are all sure of is death and taxes. Um, so right. I leaned in a little bit on probate and you and I had a great conversation. Um, you've done probate sales. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? Well, how, how did you you know, uh, you know, no one left on their deathbed that you should sell their house because that would be kind of cool no. if 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 that happened. But I'm sure that wasn't the way you um, leaned in on that property or got that lead. So how, how did you end up getting leads on probate? 
cases? Well, I think in the beginning, truthfully, we had we had uptime at the desk back in the day. You know, there was no internet or anything like that, and we actually had an MLS book with loose leaf pages in it. And you used to have to go to the board office every Friday and pick up a packet of the new listing so that you would, in fact, know what had happened in the last week. Oh, my gosh. This (laughs) This is like Barney Rubble real estate. This is the Flintstones. Holy moly. There were no fax machines. So you were supposed to sell a house without any search online capabilities? Oh, no. There was nothing. You would get a book. This is off the track, but you would get, um, was it, was it quarterly? I think it might have been quarterly. There was a, a comp book that was published, you know, it was, it was bound and you would go to the board office and you would pick that up. And that's how you found out, um, all the listing compilations that you, you have listing sheets. So then you, somebody put what it sold for. And that was bound into this book. And that's how you knew what the comps were. My goodness. Of course, that information was available at the registry, but you couldn't get it online. There was no online. So you had to physically get up and try to get there before anybody else, grab that book. um, And now you're talking New Hampshire, Maine. So you probably drove an hour. Well, no, I think we could, the board office, we would get it from, you know, Probably in Sanford. It wasn't too far for us to drive. But anyway, it was done. And there was nothing that happened in a hurry because it couldn't. It must have you taken know, like months to sell a house. Um, yeah, a lot of times it did. And uh, you would, if you saw a sign go up, you'd quick call that office and say, I saw your sign on such and so street. Tell me about it and how much is it? So you could sometimes scoop the book. You know, by seeing signs go up. That's how you did it. So you had to actually read. This is amazing. Oh, this yeah. is like back in the day oh, when yeah. people read uh, and there were no uh-huh. animation or video to listen to. Um, right. Wow. This was when you were in a, a linear world where there was no video or audio. Yeah. You couldn't you couldn't listen right. to a podcast like this on your way and learn anything. That's insane. Thank God those days are yeah. over. Well, we we made it through and we're here. You made it through and you're here. You have to change with the market or, you know, or you might as well, you know, crawl in bed and stay there. You know, if you're not willing to change because things always change. Has the market been this crazy? So, you know, you're talking about the Flintstone Realty uh, days and now we're here and everyone's in an uproar because things change so quickly. So we're now in a culture where things, you know, days seem like uh, decades seem like uh, uh, weeks and months and months seem like days. Things move so fast right now. Um, Do you remember a time where it felt like this? You know, in previous years where people were confused and kind of trying to understand, should I stay? Should I go? Um, Um, Not really. I don't I don't remember this kind of appreciation by leaps and bounds that's going on now because of the lack of inventory. The other markets that I've been in, I think it has been the opposite problem. Because, for one thing, um, trying to think what year it was, probably in the 80s, that the the um, Portsmouth Naval Shipyard was 
downsized from something like 13,000 employees to maybe it went down to 5,000 or something like that. And the uh, Pease Air Force Base was decommissioned, and so there were a lot of um, military-owned homes that went on the market, so there was a glut of inventory. And, of course, there were a lot of foreclosures also. Right, so right. So it was kind of the opposite problem. So previous years, now. the hiccups in the market yeah. have created an abundance of listings, never a void yeah. of listings. So it's it's yeah, like a re, we're like in reverse, uh, re, 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 uh, upside down world um, in Stranger Things. Yeah. Wow. Yes. That is crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. So, but even, you know, it's feast or famine and, and one extreme doesn't, negate another. So in a world where, an upside down world, where there was just too much of abundance, um, did you get, so sales were not a problem or were they a problem? They were a problem because what happened, the, the military people got buyout and also if there were corporate uh, downsizings going on, they got buyouts either from the military or from a corporate um, employer. So they were given their money. Somebody did a, you know, a market analysis, and in some cases they got more than market value because these appraisals were behind the curve and properties were selling for less. And say somebody's house at the time might have been worth 150000 they'd give them a buyout for one sixty-five, and they'd go, yes, you know, and they'd wow. take the money and run. So there was more inventory. The people that did not have these kind of buyouts that had to sell, they had to sell their property at less than they wanted to. And if they couldn't, they'd get foreclosed on. Now you have more bank-owned properties. You know, it was a, it was a, a vicious cycle. Yeah. And it was down, down, down. So if you had... If you had a buyer, it was wonderful. You had your pick of the That's litter. Right. That's right. But if you had a seller, you were trying to figure out ways to make this house sell. You know, and it, of course, at that time, there was an Internet, but there was none of the kind of marketing that we have now. Not at all. Right. So bu- buyers back then didn't just log log on and say, oh, I'll be my own real estate no. agent for a little bit. Let me search. No, search. And no. So, ha- there was nothing of that. No Zillow and all that stuff. And and uh, it just didn't exist. So did I have to then. go to. So was that back in the, the days when you open up and there was newspaper of what the listings were in in your town? No. no. Oh, well, the, the newspapers were a big part of our advertising. Right. Um, that was the main way that you did it. And, you know, you spot, maybe your company sponsored a little league team and they had a, a banner on the fence, you know, that kind of thing. There wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of other things to do other than print advertising. And the print advertising was very expensive. Yes, and, and uh, still is. And, st- and still is when it compared to online advertising. Mm-hmm. So we've had a, a right. population. Tech, thank God, technology stepped in. We've had a population explosion, and um, now we're looked at the other side of the upside down world in Stranger Things, which is um, a stifling low inventory level um, that's that's mm-hmm. bringing us in. 
you know, that's one of the opportunities that I keep preaching about um, is we can't, you know, unless we're a builder, there are some Look, there's some brokers and some agents out there that I talk to. They're building their own inventory in their markets. They're buying some land and they're building on their land, their new construction. They're part- partnering up with builders and other home improvement guys to convert. The next wave, what I'm hearing is we're going to see conversions of CRE, commercial real estate, into mm-hmm. um, housing. So I'm really excited about that. But one of the, mm-hmm. the, the silos here, um, getting back to death and taxes, is that unfortunately, um, people will continue to perish and, and pass away um, due hopefully to natural causes. Um, but when they are um, passing away and we're losing um, part of our population, they're um, leaving this world without a will and, and right. a, a legal directive uh, on what will happen with their money, their debts. And in the case where you have done your property sales, your probate sales. They're leaving without any directive on what to do with their properties. Right. And I've had occasions where people would come in the office, and here again, this goes back a ways, when there was floor time or up duty, and you'd have somebody walk in and they'd say, my father passed away two weeks ago, and I'm inheriting the house, and I I want to I want to put it on the market. And wow, if, if you didn't, if you yes, and they and I w- might say, well, who is the attorney? Well, we don't have one. And people in the beginning here again, you know, knowledge is a good thing, and you learn by fire sometimes. And if you are the unfortunate agent that has that person approach you, even maybe if somebody you know calls up and says, my father died and I need to sell the house, and if you don't know that you can't just go ahead and sell it, say you go ahead and you list this house. And in today's market, you might have it under agreement in a week. And the person goes and gets their mortgage, and when they're, you know, three-quarters of the way down the road, there's a title search that's done. And you might be getting a call, you know, a week before closing saying, you know, I got a question here. I said, there, the person that signed this contract isn't the owner of the house. Whoa. Where is, yeah, where is, you know, uh, Stanley Jones? He's the owner of the house. And if you, the agent, weren't, smart enough to pull the deed that's right and to figure out that the owner of the house is the one that signs the listing contract not the son of the deceased but this goes so back to doing your homework right because that yeah, all of absolutely. that information is public the moment that probate case is filed this is all public domain information right but it starts with the deed that's number one right you should never list the house if you don't have the deed, ever, ever. You know, and that's crazy. It it's a, it's that, wow. what a cowboy. This this person read just said, deed. okay, I I own. I know this person. They died. I'm just going to list the house, and they're not on the deed. They don't have any ownership to the home. Crazy. Lisa, I had a very experienced agent, very well known agent that I had a go around with when I had the buyer. And she had uh, somebody signing 
the purchase and sales that wasn't the person on the deed, and she keeps telling me it's all right, it's all right, and I'm, you know, it wasn't all right. And my buyer had put money down for a septic inspection oh, and a water test, Christ. only to find out the house had never been probated and the correct person was not signing. The house couldn't even be sold yet. How did this random individual even get any, I mean... Well, it was a relative, and the relative, you know, was one of the sons, and he was handling it, and blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, I could go on, but, you know, I was not happy, and I went to the broker, and I said, look, my buyer is out this money, and he better get his money back, because your agent didn't do her job. Okay, people, you know? if we, if we, we have people, right, we, unfortunately, you know, people are, are dying every day. If you have someone in your family, if you have a, 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 someone in the family who comes to you, do your homework. This is all public information. When a case is filed, Okay, first of all, a case must be filed. Random individuals, random relatives can't come in and start claiming and working with you. No, 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 no. Halt, stop. Let's turn off the lights. You're not around if someone tries to do that. In New Hampshire, it's 30 days from the person's death that somebody should be filing the probate. And And every court is different. There's like 18. There's a uniform probate code, but only 18 states are part of this uniform uh, probate code. The rest of them are just doing their own thing. So understand understand what state you're in. So in New Hampshire, you have to you have to you should at least wait uh, 30 days, or or is that an absolute requirement? No, it has to be done within 30 days. It's supposed to be filed. You the the person who. Say you're the daughter or the son and your parent has died and that you know there's a will and you have a copy of it and, you know, hopefully it's valid, but they'll tell you when you go to the, when you show up in, in uh, the probate office, whether it's a valid will or not. But you bring that and you go to the district court in your county uh, and appear at the counter and say, you know, my father passed away, and here's his will, and I'm the named executor because it will say that in the will. And here's, unless they did one on a napkin somewhere, and you know it could yeah, be valid if it's been, you know, if it's been notarized. But it, you know, if an attorney prepared it, it will have who the executor is, and then you'll they'll assign you a docket number, and then they'll give you a list and. A lot of this information for agents that have never dealt with this, you should learn about it and go to the the um, the web to, and you can Google um, probate in the state of New Hampshire or Mass or whatever state you're in, probate yeah. oh, process, yeah. and then when they give you a whole list of things, the top ones on the list are the law firms of Jones. <laughs> yeah. you know, There's all Murray. the sponsors. The ter- Listen, 75% of the, the 75% yeah. of the cost of a probate case go to attorneys. So they right. have lots of money to do those ads. And that's right. why they constantly are coming up um, on, a, on a search. But Bobby's right. So it would scroll down and you'll see uh, the information that you need beyond all of the attorney ads. On attorneys the government, are, on the government site. On the, the government website. site. They're raking the in state. the dough. There's court fees and filing fees, executive fees, mm-hmm. but 75% goes to the attorney. Right. So they then you 
scroll down and then you get what the process is for filing and there will be a checklist and it might be uh, 10 things on the checklist before the, the um, probate is completed. And, you know, the, and it, in New Hampshire, it's between the least amount of time it will take would be six months to complete the process. And it could be a year and a half or more if it's a very complicated one. Um, But it will be six months. And, you know, we'll say what the things are. And one of the things is if the person who died owned property. That's right. That will have the first step is it's part of the inventory. The person who is the executor has to determine the inventory of the assets of the person that died. And one of the assets would be the house. And then the attorney that's handling this, sometimes they would call me and their attorneys don't get it that realtors (laughs) aren't doing an appraisal, but they call it that. Exactly. I I need you to do an appraisal of the property. And, you know, it's not an appraisal that they want because they're going to pay a lot more for it. And if so, I... I would charge them. Sometimes I, I, you know, actually later when I did more of them, I did charge for it. Well, and, yeah, I, mean, I, I would charged, assume that you would charge for for it. It's like a yeah, broker. Um, sometimes a, a, in the beginning I didn't, but I, I do, you know, for, you know, for the last probably at least 10 years, I would charge for yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't it and, like a BPO? <clears throat> well, I never called it that. I would call it an opinion of value. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's what I would call it. And I would do it in letter format because I don't think they want you to crank something off of the inter of your MLS and hand them so many pages. I don't, you know, of of what we would get for a CMA. Right. I would do it in letter format, and I would have small, you know, I usually would have three or four sold comparables and a couple of of uh, under agreements if I could find something that was similar. And then in a, in paragraph form, I would compare the subject property to, to the comparables. And comparable one has a two-car garage. Subject property doesn't have a garage. You know, I'd list a couple of the pluses of the, of the subject property and a couple of the negatives as well. You know, property shows deferred maintenance on the outside, it's um, the, the major systems are, are not up to date. It has fuses and it has, you know, a 35-year-old furnace. Wow. Something. Okay. You so know, you got really in depth. So was that the, reco- the, the attorney requesting this or the no, courts? Okay. No, that's just the way I did it. And okay. then I would, at the bottom, I'd say something like, in my opinion, the current market value of, blank, you know, blankety-blank Main Street is X, you know. And it would be like three pages, and I would send, if I had contact first with the executor, I would send it to the executor, and I would CC it to the attorney, you know? Right, sure. Really, you know, and so that's kind of what I I would do. And I had, you know, sometimes, and one thing I wanted to point out, that it, it's really important that you be on... Um, very good terms with the paralegal for the attorney for estate work. If it's a, you know, if it's a bigger firm or a three or four person firm, usually they have 
one designated paralegal that does all the probate stuff. So you, you know, you get to know that person and work with them because you're not talking to the attorney most of the time. You're talking to his estate um, and probate paralegal. So, you know, they're the one you're giving your documents to and updating. But then if I would get the property listed and I got it under a contract, then I would send it to the paralegal and the attorney and, you know, that kind of thing. Sometimes in the beginning they want it when it's an offer. But the one that I dealt with most, you know, he didn't have to have that. He trusted my judgment that if it got under, you know, that the contract was going to be written right, number one. That's right. You know, that I knew how to write a contract <laughs> and, uh, you know, didn't put stuff in there that was that was omitted or, you know, I didn't omit things or whatever. And I named the proper, proper parties as who's signing and all that kind of thing. So we're we're here with anyway. uh, Bobby Bobby Goodrich um, from uh, Century Twenty One in Maine. Um, she uh, uh, in New Hampshire. She's also a licensed Maine uh, uh, real estate uh, professional. Look, we did the numbers. Uh, you and I talked about the numbers on New Hampshire. Twelve thousand probate cases in twenty twenty two. It's a, that's a large percentage um, of the state. As uh, you're talking about a state with one point two million people, it's a very small state and twelve thousand probate cases. So when you understand uh, the, the in your state what the opportunity is overall, and you start to drill that down, um, you can even drill that down by county. It, it, it's it's significant. It's significant. As a matter of fact, in the state of New Hampshire, uh, I think it was, unfortunately, the town of Brentwood, which is very close to, to where I live, uh, had the most cases in the state. It's an older demographic, a little bit more rural, but Brentwood was uh, had the most cases out of the, the, those uh, 12,000 cases in 2022. You want to look at the opportunity. Yeah. You know, uh, Bobby's given us a great uh, bird's eye view of how you, you know, navigate and I think, you know, my takeaway from that is understanding the court system, understanding the laws in your state, even if you are in Maine, ha ha ha, um, gives right. you the value, gives you the, the competitive edge over another broker, uh, broker or agent um, in your office, in your region. Um, you know, it's a very competitive market. Um, it always has been, even back in the day when you have books um, to go through. And so these are the kind of things that you have to invest your time in to become an expert, right? And, and so no one's going to become necessarily an expert on probate, but the more you surround yourself, the attorneys, the paralegals, um, the, someone at the, the, the court system, knowledge is king. You got to know what you're talking about. Otherwise, you're going to uh, have a situation that Bobby just, uh, it was horrifying to hear that a family member would just walk up to an agent. An agent would say, okay, great. I got a listing and put it on. Look, we're all desperate for list, listings, but my goodness, um, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the guy at the grocery store that used to bag Mrs. Jones's uh, groceries now is coming to you wanting to sell Mrs. Jones house. Uh, wow. Be careful. Um, not everybody who, who comes to you with, with an idea of a listing um, in this case even has any remote ownership of the property. Crazy, mm-hmm. crazy. Right. Uh, but I thank you so much, Bobby, for sharing with us um, how you got into probate. Um, I'm sorry to see that you're retiring. We need more of the eight more seasoned agents talking about the things um, that 
that they've gone through, dropping gems. You've provided a lot of gems in this conversation about what you can go through at probate. Not everything is rosy. And then there's some outliers um, of people who you know don't own the property, trying to sell the property. So it's a great space to be in. It's not that competitive. Everything is public that you need to be able to go out and approach these families, um, these heirs. Look, when someone dies, you don't always, you know, get a, a nice big mansion. Sometimes you just get the debt of your relative um, or your loved one, and you want to make sure that creditors are paid um, with the with the sale of that property. Great agents who are knowledgeable, like Bobby uh, uh, Goodrich, will get out in front of it and make it happen for those uh, those families who are, who are unfortunately grieving the loss. The last thing they need to be is on the phone trying to figure out what the court will and will not allow them to do. So the more that you know up front, the more that you're uh, prepared to help them navigate, uh, those listings will start to uh, flow into you. Um, unfortunately for me to say, 50% of the United States dies without a will. Hey, Bobby, thank you so much. Um, you took my call. You, you followed up. And I just love you. So um, thank you so much for right. dropping well, your gems. And we luck. appreciate okay. you. Thank you. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.